This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We talked last week about walking worthy. Let me recap a little bit, and let's pray first. And uh, we'll jump into this. Father, thank you that serving you is a blessing. Serving you is an honor. Thank you that we have an opportunity tonight to worship you, to receive from you, to receive from your word. Lord, we just ask you for the right words, words that help us, words that minister life to us and strengthen us. Father, words that help us move forward in you, that we might be a blessing to you and a blessing to the people around us. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. First Thessalonians, second chapter, Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica. He said, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, so Father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. He wrote this to a church that was under pressure, and they were undergoing a lot of difficult things. And as Paul began to write this, he didn't pray that all their problems would go away. He said, I pray that even in the middle of this, you're going to walk worthy of God. And then later on in the next chapter, he said, he said, for now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. So we were really were talking about standing fast in the Lord, not moving from your relationship with him and then beginning to walk in such a way that you walk worthy, worthy of the one who's called us into his own kingdom and glory. That we can walk in a way that honors God. That we can walk in a way that reflects him well. And so we begin to talk about some of the ways we can do that. It's interesting, I talked with the first one I talked about was attending or, and being involved in church. And it was funny because we got a lot of response out of that one online. People were, were writing in while they were watching online going, pastor's calling us out. <laughs> Actually, I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up. There's a difference. When you call someone out, you're, you're basically kind of calling them out to... to to isolate them and point them out usually has a condemning finger. Calling them up is saying, hey, we can do better. Now, let, let, me, let me just ex explain real quickly. I recognize that for those of you who watch online, there are some people who physically you can't come to church. I know that. Some of you work and cannot come to church. I know that. People were writing in going, I'm at work. We understand that. Keep your, please, keep your job. Um, we understand that there are people that have health concerns and are not ready to come out into a larger crowd. Understand that. We understand that some of you live away from here and you can't come to church. If you're in Ohio, coming to church on Wednesday nights is going to be difficult. And so we understand that as well. But what we're saying is, and who I was calling up, are those people who simply during the pandemic got used to not going to church. And they dropped out of the habit of it. And so, how many of you know you, you can drop out of a routine, and sometimes it's hard to get the routine back? Amen. I've had people tell me, just look at me and go, Pastor, I love that commute now on Sunday mornings. I commute from my bedroom to my living room and cut you on, and there you are. <laughs> well, I, I, I can appreciate that, but what I'm encouraging you to is, I didn't write the scripture that said, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And people say, well, that's old. You know, God's wisdom is never old. It's timeless. Spiritual things don't age. Do you realize when we get to heaven, we're not going to age? That's good news. That ought to make you happy. No, no wrinkles. No gain in weight. No aches and pains. Hallelujah. But we're not there yet. 
So while we're here, and we, we listened to what he said, and he's the one that said, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So we talked about that. And so I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up. And I'm encouraging you. If you've gotten out of the habit, you can jump back into the habit. It would be good. It would bless you. The second thing we begin to talk about is to stay, to stand fast in the Lord, is have a personal fellowship with the Lord. First thing we talked about was reading the Bible. Luke 4, 4 says, Jesus answered and said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So we are spirit beings. We have souls. We live in a body. And spirit beings need spirit food. And God's word is spirit food. It feeds us spiritually. So I, I don't, I, I don't recognize when it's feeding me spiritually. Well, you're not going to recognize it like natural food, but actually if you sit down with it and just begin to read your Bible, you'll notice it, it will satisfy you on the inside. And there's something about you. See, now, sometimes you have to get your mind in gear. I've sat down and read chapters before and not remembered a thing that I've read. Ever done that? Read a chapter. Well, you, you've done that when you've driven. You've had something on your mind when you're driving and you look up and you're like, I'm home and I didn't even know how I got here. And so sometimes you can sit down and read the Bible. You don't, even, you don't even recognize that you're reading. So what I suggest is go back and read it again. And then go back and read it again. Go back and read it again. You're like, read the same chapter four or five times. You could read it more than that. It's going to bless you. It's good. But spirit beings need spirit food. Now, here's the second benefit of that. Now, I don't think we've talked enough about this. Not just reading your Bible and having a personal fellowship with the Lord is important, but it also impacts our minds and our emotions. Look at Psalms 119, verse 28. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. And then guys, if you put that next one up, in Proverbs 4.22, it says, For they, God's words, are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Here's something we may, we may not have talked enough about is the fact that we talked about, well, feeding your spirit's good. And it's good to feed yourself spiritually. But it also impacts other parts of you as well. Because when your, your mind is, is, and your soul and your emotions are hurting, do you realize that God's word can operate like medicine in your life? It, it can be like medicine. The Bible, the, Bible, the Bible said it is medicine. Life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. That word in, in the Hebrew actually means medicine to all their flesh. You say, well, Alan, I've read the Bible before. It didn't feel like medicine to me. Ever taken antibiotics? <laughs> you know, when you take antibiotics, typically, have you ever noticed you don't feel good immediately? You take antibiotics, but you keep taking it. Won't they tell you, take it until it's gone, right? You just keep taking it. You take antibiotics. But we take it because we believe it'll help us. True? Amen. And so we may take antibiotics and go, whoa, I feel wonderful. No, that typically is not it. We take antibiotics and we go, okay, I'm taking it. I trust it's working. Why don't we take the same approach toward God's word? Where we begin to read God's word and we begin to go, Lord, I want to thank you. Your word is working in me. It's helping restore. James said God's word can restore our soul. It can restore. It can heal. It can do a work in us. It can do a work in our bodies. There have been times I've just come home sometimes after a day. Just having one of those days, it's like it's been a day. And just sit down and sit down in my chair and just begin to, to read scriptures. And I, I can just tell you, it, it strengthens your soul on the inside. It does something for you on the inside. We haven't emphasized this enough. 
People are talking about mental health, mental health, mental health. I think it's very important that we talk about mental health, but I also think it's important that we tell people, hey, we have some solutions for mental health. For one thing, I'm going to begin to put God's word into me, and that's good input. You realize that feeding on his word is a whole lot better than feeding on the negative things that you can loop on. And you begin to feed on God. And you know what I'm talking about by looping on something. You get a problem or you get a negative situation and you just run it over and over and over and over and over and over again in your mind. Ever notice that doesn't help you? Ever go to bed with something on your mind? You just lie in bed and sit there and think about it and think about it and think about it. No one gets up the next morning and goes, man, I thought about that all night. I feel so refreshed. (laughs) You wake up tired. You say, well... Alan, I just got, I got thoughts just assailing my mind. I tell you what, I'll just tell you a trick that I've done. It's not a trick, but it's helpful. What I've done, when thoughts just come coming around my mind like bees, I just begin to, a lot of times I just lie in bed and, and nothing wakes Joy up. So I can lie in bed and just, she slept through Ike. Uh, I, I just lie in bed and, and begin to quote a scripture. You can quote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Say, well, after you you do it once, just do it again. If you can loop a problem, why can't we loop God's word? And it'll feed you and it'll strengthen you. He said, my soul melts from heaviness. He said, strengthen me according to your word. So you can be strengthened with that. And it also is helpful for your body. He sent his word and healed them. Okay. Praying and having fellowship with the Lord is, is a time. I won't have time to jump into that, but 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Fellowship with the Lord is more than, oh Lord, I need. You want to take your prayers past, oh Lord, help me. Oh God, I need. And sometimes you just want to be able to sit down. If you have a, a place where you pray, Joy has her prayer chair. I set myself up in, in, the, in the bedroom and I sit up in the bed and I pray in the bed. You say, do you have to pray on your knees? No, you don't have to pray on your knees. You pray. Pray where you don't go to sleep. But you can pray and, 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 and you can fellowship with the Lord and just tell him what's going on and talk to him. You can fellowship with him. That's, that's a series. But we'll, 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 let me move on with this because I want to I get to this part. If we're going to stand fast in the Lord, we want to have some good influences. Good influences. Who are the people in our path? 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul was writing to Timothy. Timothy was a pastor of the church, Ephesus. He said, let no one despise your youth. He said, or look down on your youth. He said, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. So he told Timothy, he said, be an example. So my question is, who are the people who are influences in your life? Because they will have an influence over you. We need, in, in the church, we need godly Christian examples. And that's why, in church, we, we've got some wonderful staff members. I'll tell you something, we're blessed here. We, we have some good staff members. They teach classes, they work with your kids, they work with your youth, and, and we, we hold them to a high standard, but they hold themselves to a high standard. And it's good to have good godly leaders that you can look at as an example. Joy and I did not have, Joy came out of a, a relation, her, her family relationship. She was the first one to really get saved in her family. She said, Alan, I had no idea how a, a Christian marriage worked 
but I used to watch Pastor John Osteen and Dodie, and they were our pastors for years. She said their example helped me. So there's godly examples that can help us and godly examples in the church, but then there's also godly friends. Everyone needs some. Godly friends are the ones that encourage you. They're the ones that come alongside and they encourage you not to go away from God, but they encourage you to live for God. And that's important. You need people like that in your life. You really do. Because if all the people in your life are against God, it's going to be harder for you. If you're just surrounded, people say, well, Helen, I'm surrounded by just a bunch of crazy heathen at work. I need to quit my job and go work for a Christian company. There are no Christian companies. There are Christians in companies, but chances are they need your, your goodness there in that heathen environment. Amen. But you need some friends that, that you're not constantly surrounded by your heathen environment. And if you've got people that, especially, especially if you're coming out of a lifestyle, you're coming out of a party lifestyle. You need some non-partying friends. <laughs> I don't believe y'all hearing me. If, I, if, you come, if, you're, if you're coming out of a party lifestyle, then you need some friends who are not partying. One of my good buddies at, at Lakewood was a guy named Eddie. Eddie was, Eddie was about 6'4", broad-shouldered. He, he, uh, remember when Billy D. Williams was big? Eddie put Billy D. Williams in the shade. Eddie walked in and all the girls were going, <laughs> Eddie and I got saved about the same time. i never forget, we sat down and Eddie was a player. Eddie sat down with me, we were talking about it. He said, Alan, he said, whenever I walked in a bar, he said, I never walked out alone. I'm thinking to myself, I did, but not, but, <laughs> but not Eddie. But Eddie and I looked at one another and, uh, and we, were, we were at Lakewood at the same time. We looked at one another and we said, this life's worth living. I said, we're, we're, going, we're going to keep going down this road. And so we encourage one another. I said, man, you, keep, you stay. He met a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful girl, married her, beautiful family. It was worth it. But we need people that, that look at one another and go, oh, I, yeah. And if I were you, I'd jump back in the bar. In fact, I know a good bar that's you know, it's right down the street. You need some different friends. You need some godly friends. You need some people say, hey, man, I, man, I'm going through a difficult time in my marriage. You need some people say, well, let's pray about that. True. Say, well, Alan, I don't have any friends like that. Hey, that's what church is for. Or you can meet some friends and you say, well, it's a big church. How can I meet people? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> one of the best ways to meet people is to serve in one of our serve teams. Sometimes when you're doing stuff together, it's a great way to have fellowship and make good friends. We also have adult classes, and you can meet people in the classes. Godly, godly people. Or you can come on Wednesday night and look at someone and go, will you be my friend? That's not usually the best way. <laughs> but we need godly influence. Now, we need people, but here's another question. What are the online influences in our life? Isn't it amazing how, how a thousand people could stop breathing at the same time? You hear nothing. Online influences. Uh, Psalms 1.1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, 
nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Uh, online influences have an impact. I was, as I was putting this together, the story of Lot came to mind. Lot was Abraham's nephew. And I, I want to show, just talk a little bit as we close. I want to talk a little bit about Lot, what happened. Lot's what I call Lot's de degression. Not digression, degression. Degression is a decrease in stages. Let's look what happened to Lot. It says here in 2 Peter. It said, and delivered, God delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day, seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Leave it up there if you would. It said he was righteous Lot. So Lot started off good. It said he was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For he was living among them. He said he tormented his righteous soul, seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Do you realize what we see and hear can have a huge impact on us? Amen. What we see and hear, we think, and I hear people say, well, it, it, it's not going to bother me. No, no. What you see and hear can impact you. Huge. And so righteous Lot said was living among, so he, he, but here's the deal. Lot didn't start off that way. He started off with Abraham. And he and Abraham, he, man, he, when Abraham left, Lot went with him. And God blessed Lot. I, and I think he really got a lot of Abraham's blessings. Abraham, God just blessed Abraham. God blessed Lot. And they had an argument. And the argument was over the fact that there weren't enough resources for their flocks. But here's the thought. Lot was doing good while he was with Abraham and under Abraham's influence. Now, this is something for you parents who have, have children who leave and they're like, but they did so good and while they were here and they were in church and they go to college or they left the home and you know, all hell broke loose. What happened? Well, they did well under your influence and you created an environment for them that made it very easy for them to fall in line. But when they get off and on their own, Oftentimes, especially if they go to many colleges in America, they're going to be tormented by what they see and hear and what's all around them. You better get them ready for college. Amen. And not just with, their, not just with, with the money, with their academics, but get them ready to understand that there's a lot of people out there that are not encouraging their faith, they're attacking their faith. And so in, in, in the environment that, that Lot was in, he was doing well. But he and Abraham got into a, an argument. Actually, their, their herdsmen began to argue. And they got in strife because there wasn't enough water and there wasn't enough land. And so Abraham, who was just a godly, righteous man, he looks at Lot and said, we're brothers. We're, Lot was like a son to him. He said, we ought not to argue about this. He said, you go left, I'll go right. You go right, I'll go left. And he gave Lot the first choice. And Lot looked out and he saw the plains towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And they were well watered and green. And Lot said, I'm going this way. He was doing so well. But then I want you to read what happened next. Put the next verse up. Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. I want you to catch that phrase. He pitched his tent toward Sodom. He wasn't living there. He pitched his tent toward there. 
So that means every day when Lot got up and he opened the door of his tent, there's Sodom. Sodom was a bad, Sodom was a bad town. And uh, it, was, it was real bad. But he pinched his tent towards Sodom, probably a beautiful city. And so he kept looking at, at Sodom, kept seeing Sodom. Well, then if you read the rest of the story, we find out that by the time that the Lord's about to judge Sodom and Sodom's about to be, and Gomorrah about to be destroyed, God sends an angel in to get, a, to get Lot out of Sodom. And now we find out that he's living in Sodom in a house. He was in a tent just looking towards Sodom, but now he's living there in the house and, and the angels almost had to drag him out of there. And his wife, of course, didn't want to leave at all. Here's, here's, here's my point. What, if we're, the influences in our life can impact us. If you're surrounded by, by people who have no respect for God, who could care less about God, now I might be talking about some of your families, then you're going to have to be very intentional about being involved in church, about having Christian friends, because you can't just constantly have somebody pounding against your faith all the time and not have that hurt you. you can't, and here's the other thing. You can't constantly look at some of the junk that's on the internet and not have it hurt you. It will hurt you. Because anything we tend to look at, we develop a desire for. You ever heard the term car fever? You know what car fever is? Car fever is when you begin to look at cars. And then you really begin to look at cars. And then you begin to go on the internet and you're searching out cars. And you're looking at cars and on the highway, you notice, I never knew that there were this many cars that I want out here. I just saw a bunch of them. What happens? You become aware of them. And when you become aware of them, you begin to look to them. And that can create a desire. I, I sold cars for a while. They call it, they call it car fever. People, a friend of mine said he was car shopping one time and, and the car salesman said, can I help you? He said, uh, he said, no, we're just looking. Car salesman said, that's how it starts. <laughs> and that is how it starts. Amen. Anything that you want to cut off in your life, stop looking at. That's right. Anything you want to cut off. Say, Alan, I have, I have a problem with pornography. It's a big problem. Best way to do it is cut it off. Create an environment where you can't, you can't see it. Because the less you look, you can, you can wean yourself off of it. But the more you look, it's addictive. And it will, it will absolutely suck you in. Say, so what's, the, what's the answer? Stop looking. Say, so, Alan, I just, I, I, I just spend way too much money. Then you might want to stop shopping on the internet. I'm just saying, if I'm going to talk about pornography, we're going to talk about shopping too, okay? <laughs> but anything that you're having a problem with, what are the influences that are coming into your life? Lot was doing well while he was in Abraham. Then he starts looking towards Sodom. And then he's not just looking towards Sodom, now he's moved into Sodom. And when he moved into Sodom, the Bible said he's tormenting his righteous soul. Have you ever... Um, I don't know about you. I'll, I'll just, I'll just I, won't, I won't throw this out as a question. I'll just tell you my story. I, um, 
I sat down one time to watch a movie with my sons. And uh, we're the, you know, we're the big, Joy doesn't particularly like the movies we like. She likes, she used to like Hallmark. So glad she she weaned herself off that. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I, we tend to like the action movies. So I sat down to watch a movie one time w- with my sons. I think it was called The Departed or the what's the one that was about? It's got um, Pacino and De Niro. Pacino and De Niro. I think I think they get paid by the f bomb. Because they just, they dropped so many of them in this movie. I finally, when the movie was over, I, I, I felt grieved on the inside. See, I've stopped, I've stopped watching stuff like that. And so if you don't watch stuff like that, and then you see something like that, you go, oh, goodness. If you ever ask one of your friends who's not godly about this movie, and they go, oh, yeah, it's nothing. And then you watch it, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Have any sex in it? No. Not much. Any cussing? No. You watch it and you're like, what the heck were you watching? (laughs) They're desensitized to it and you're not. And so you watch it and it just, man, it just grieves your heart. I actually cut the movie off, looked at my sons and said, I apologize. I said, I'm sorry. I said, I should have never, I should have never watched that with you. You go, oh, Alan, it's, it's just words. No, it, it grieved me. And after a while, listen, after a while, you, you, you start to appreciate clean. Yes. N- not, uh, not Hallmark clean. <laughs> Good clean. Does that, does that make sense? So, so, you know, when people say, well, you know, the Internet's not impacting our kids. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Instagram recently Facebook stopped an Instagram program they were developing for girls because they've already determined that Instagram is causing depression in young girls. Because once again, it's constant comparisons, constant constant looking at the, listen, it's impacting. So, Alan, are you you against the internet? No, I'm not against the internet. I'm just against stuff that torments my righteous soul. I'm against stuff that hurts me and grieves my heart. And so, and I'm talking about standing fast in the Lord and walking worthy. I'm, con- I'm convinced that what happened to a lot of people during the pandemic is they've watched so much junk on television. I mean, when Tiger King becomes like the number one show in the world, it's like, seriously, people, have we reached that place? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a- don't, don't send me emails. Not going to read them. Just not going to. But, but here's the deal. As I've watched people, I've watched people over the years. I've watched some who stand fast and I've watched some who've fallen away. And my desire is that you would stand fast in the Lord. Paul said, we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Listen, I, it just blesses my heart when people who stay in and you stay in with God. And one day we're all going to be standing before the Lord. And we're going to have an opportunity to to stand before him. And when, uh, and when you go, Lord, I, I, never, I never did what's right. I never served you. I'm so sorry I should have done all this. If he asks you who your pastor is, don't you say me. <laughs> I'm going to be ducking down over there. 
No, I want to be up standing there watching you get your rewards going. Yeah, yeah, that's good, that's good. Listen. And eternity is a long, long time. It's a long, long time. Longer than all the episodes of Tiger King. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing but love for you. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. You are gracious to us and good to us, and your mercy is good. Father, I pray right now for those who are dealing with addictions and problems, things like pornography, things, Father, there's shopping addictions, gambling addictions, Father, any kind of chemical addictions. Father, I thank you that your power has the ability to absolutely set us free from those. And I thank you for the beginning, those seeds being planted in them right now. They can be free, they can walk free, And Father, I thank you that you will strengthen them and enable them to walk away. So Father, we thank you for your goodness in that. Father, thank you for those who are struggling with mental health issues. Father, thank you they do not have to buy into the fact that they're always going to be this way. With you, there is change. With you, there is power. With you, Father, there is the ability to come out and we will see your goodness in the land of the living. Thank you for that. Such about eyes are closed if you're here tonight and say, you know what, Alan, I don't even know if I have a relationship with the Lord. I'm not sure of that. Or, or, or maybe you, you did it one time and you walked away from God and you know it and he knows it. And tonight you're sitting there going, I need to do something about that. We're going to give you an opportunity. We're going to pray. We're not going to ask you to stand up or come to the front. But sitting in your chair tonight, right where you are, or watching online, you can make that decision to come back to him or to come and receive him as your Lord and Savior for the very first time. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to ask you one question. If that's you that I'm talking to, you're in here tonight. That is you. You say, Alan, that is me. Would you, would you pray for me? I want to be a part of these prayers. You shoot your hand up just real quick across the auditorium. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Great. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand, you wanted to, you can still pray this prayer with us. And we're going to pray with you out loud as a church family. Say, dear God. I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Father, thank you for those who've said yes, for those who've come back. We rejoice with them as heaven does rejoice. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.